thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And welcome to today's very, very special podcast. We have somebody joining us here on the show today who's very, very special to our Kimmy, because when Kim was going through her own personal, I guess we can call it transformation time. She turned to a particular woman who really supported her through her journey with with Danny and her family. And it was nothing short of immense and it was nothing short of transformational and transcendental almost in terms of the way that Kim found herself and rediscovered who she was and Danny discovered who he was. And the family went to a completely new dimension of of love and connectedness. And they did that with the exceptional help of a wonderful, wonderful woman, Jacqueline. Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today. What a treat to have you with us. Nothing's happening here. It's all good. It's all good. It's all on record. Welcome. Kim, you've got a whole world of experience with this incredible woman. Start us off. Start the questions. Go for it. Well, I tell everybody. I think to preempt it, what one has to understand about Jacqueline is she is not someone who wants to be self-promoted or she's, she's in fact feeling very uncomfortable about us interviewing her because she believes or what she's taught me is that everything is within. And I think the gift that you've given me is through trials, we can have that opportunity to find ourselves. And I will never forget the first time I came to you, you said to me, Jacqueline, that life is perfect. And what I wanted to ask you and why I've been so excited about interviewing you is I just want people to hear your wisdom, just to hear the way you view things. So first of all, I would just love to ask you where you're from and how you yourself got onto the journey of your own self-discovery. Okay. I was born in France. I was brought up as a, as a French woman. And, uh, but of course I had a very mixed family with a British mother and uh, other origins, but, but French, very French. Um, I studied a lot when I was young. It was during the war. I had to stay at home and do a lot of study and studying and reading. And I was always searching for the truth because I read a statement from one of the Hindu writings, the I can't remember they said that much. The Kama Sutra, that's right. From the Kama Sutra that truth is like a diamond. It has many facets. And that really prompted me to go on the search for truth. Even though for well quite often I would lose the plot fall down on my search for the truth as I was climbing Mount Everest. (laughs) Well, not really, but sort of. 
and occasionally tripping and falling down into crevices, but picking myself up or finding somebody who would pull me out of the crevice. And eventually, I got to the top, and I found the truth, I think, I hope. But I'm still searching for it, really, to be honest. Now, when I, what I did, I went to India after I had migrated to Australia, and I met Bhagavan Sri Satisai Baba, and I was absolutely flummoxed by the incredible love energy emanating from this person. And to me, that was the answer to everything, love. And his name is, well, was, he's dead now, Satya, which means truth. And I didn't realize at the time that I had found a truth. But it's only later that I realized that I did with his name. Now, I became a psychologist, not by choice, but I was forced into it. Again, after having challenged God, saying to him that I would find him through my studies. And that was a long story too, much too long to report or to record now. I had to go to university. I wanted to go to keep on studying art, painting, because I was a, an artist. And I couldn't find a course that satisfied my needs. At the time, I was living in the Blue Mountains with my husband and children. So eventually, I decided to go to Macquarie University because I couldn't go to Sydney. The, the course, the art course, was closed. And then I... I studied and I met different people. I did. I had different experiences, quite extraordinary. And then I joined uh, Paramahansa Yogananda's teachings uh, and school. But after two years of doing this type of yoga, I found that that wasn't sufficient for me. And um, then eventually I came to find the Sai Baba. So that was, that, well, there was no doubt that my studies had forced me onto that path. And I had to become a, a psychologist because that's where I was forced to go into. It wasn't, as I said, it wasn't my choice, but I was forced into it. And so there I was as a psychologist working for the state of New South Wales at the time. And eventually I went to work with St. John of Garn Hospital near Richmond as a psychologist again. I'm, I'm mentioning this because there are some extraordinary events that took place at the time. So studying, well, working as a psychologist and visiting Sai Baba, one day I was sitting at his feet in the group, in the interview room. I was sitting, I was very fortunate to be in the front row for once, Usually I wasn't. And Sababa looked down at me and said, and what do you want? So I said to him, Swami, I need strength for my patience. That was in about 1982. So he said, you want strength, Swami give you strength. And his hand went forward towards me, just above my nose, and swirled around, and underneath his hand suddenly appeared a silver bracelet. 
with the name Sai on it. Mm. And I have always worn this. And I have to say, I think, I can only think that it gave me the strength that I needed. I'm past 90 now, and I'm still working. Mm. It was quite extraordinary. But there's another story that I would like to share with you, because it always has to do with this well, incredible belief that we have in ourselves. Saibaba always said, look, if you, if you call to God for help, well, God means universal consciousness, of course, I'm sure that you know what that means, Brahma in Hindu, it's not a person. He said, if you call for this, the help, it will come to you. Okay, right. This is what he taught. Okay, this particular day I was at work. I had been at work and I was leaving. Now, the St. John of God Hospital was uh, down in the plain. We were, we were living in Springwood in the Blue Mountains and I had to go down the mountain in order to go to Richmond first and from Richmond to go to the hospital. So I had to follow the Springwood Road along the Hawkesbury River. I don't know if you know mm, yes. about that. I used to live in Windsor. Yeah, I used to live in Windsor, and my mother in, or my ex-mother-in-law used to work at St. John of God Hospital. She oh, was really? a registered nurse. Yeah. Wow. What was her name? Oh, I'll tell you off there. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I used to drive down and follow this road, a country road in those days. It was 100 kilometers an hour. I don't know what it's like now. Only two lanes with just uh, on the sides, just earth and then pastures and forests and so on all along the road sometimes the occasional house but very few it was all country and this particular day I was coming home from St. John of God and I entered the Springwood Road to go home and I started driving at my 100 kilometers an hour happily with quite a few cars behind me but none in front of me and there I was, driving nearly 100 kilometers an hour, and I came to a bend, a right-hand bend. When I got to the point of the bend, well, I couldn't see what was on the other side of the bend, but when I got to the point of the bend, I saw, to my horror, about two or three meters from my car, a row of cows crossing the road. Now... I don't know if you've ever seen cows crossing a road, but they are not one behind the other. They're close to each mm. other. And there was absolutely no way that I could avoid the cows. No way whatsoever. I couldn't even go to the side. Well, one side the cows were coming along from the, 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 uh, the field onto the road. The other side they were crossing over to another field. No way. And I lost, I lost total control of my left hemisphere. I couldn't think, I couldn't think how to get out of this. I, I didn't, as a matter of fact, because that was the end as far as I was concerned, but I was concerned for, about the cows. So I screamed, Krishna, because Krishna, I don't know if you know about Krishna, he was a cow herder. I don't know why, it just came to me, Krishna. And the next minute I found myself on the other side of the cows, driving up to the Blue Mountains. 
couldn't understand it. How did I avoid the cows? I got home, I didn't even tell my husband because I thought he'd think I'm mad. The next day, I went out into the garden and picked up the local rag and there was an article on the third page saying that the day before, a cow had been the, had been killed on the road. Oh, my the God. Road. I said, my God, did I do that? So I rushed out to my car, had a good look, all over it. There was no trace of having hit anything. But I would have felt it, but I didn't. Now, okay, I'm not the only one to have had a, an experience like that. It is in a book titled My Baba and I by Dr. John Hislop. He had a very similar experience, not with cows, but with cars. It's one moment on one side, next moment on the other one. He was a Sai Baba devotee also. Okay. You know, it's very interesting that you tell that story, Jacqueline, because I have a story similar. When I was in the 2002 Bali bombing, I was running from the flames, and there's a period where I ran up to a brick wall, and I remember as I was approaching the brick wall saying, please, God, don't let me run into a brick wall. Please don't let me run into a brick wall. Don't want to run into a brick wall. Don't let me run into a brick wall. And I ran into a brick wall. And I've been hypnotized and I've tried to recall the experience myself, but there's nothing there. So I, when I, I remember seeing this big red brick wall that was just, you know, there was no way that I could mm. get over it. And when I saw the brick wall, my next experience is of me standing on top of it, jumping off it. And I have no idea how I got to the top of that brick wall. I, I, I have no recollection of how I got to that. And there, I was the only one. But when I was running to the brick wall, there was about 10 others all running in the same direction. But getting to the top of it, there's, I, just abs I have absolutely nothing. And then the next thing I know, I'm jumping off it. And, you know, and I'm... And you called for help. Ab absolutely, I did. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely, I did. And well, that's not something that I share... Well, I don't share that publicly. I don't share that story publicly. Good. Because there's no explanation for it, and I think people really want an explanation, but there isn't one. Okay, so what you is that similar to you? There are what some. is that saying for you? There are forces at play that are far grander. Well, the thing is that, okay, we are we're composed of a body, a mind, and a higher self. Now, this higher self is the energy at the center of every atom in our system. Call it God, call it Brahma, call it what you like. It is the, how could I explain it, the overwhelming superior consciousness. We have different levels of consciousness. And this is a thing that we have to realize. And we need to pass over around us to people to make them realize that we are not the body, okay? We are not the mind. And with mind, it has to be controlled. It's like a mad monkey that's been bitten by a scorpion. <laughs> We've got to control our mind. But more than anything else, we have to realize whom we truly are, which is this overriding super-consciousness, which makes us one. There's no difference between you and me. 
and you and everybody else. Once we reach that level of super consciousness, we can change the world. Now, I'm sure you've read the Bible, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you know the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah? Mm. Well, you know it, don't you? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah. What does sodomizing mean? What does sodomizing mean? It's not a very nice no, activity, no. is it? No, it's oh. animals. So <laughs> the people in Sodom and Gomorrah were behaving very badly. <laughs> I just got told what it was. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> so they were behaving very badly. But Lot was a very devoted man and um, he had a wife by the way and daughters but one day God said to him I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the behavior of the people there and so Lot said please Lord please don't destroy them I beg you what can I do so God said to him find what 20 wise men or I can't remember a small number perhaps even 10 wise men and I won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah so Lot went hunting around for 10 wise men and couldn't find them he went back to God and he said Lord I can't find them so God said alright find 5 wise men and so Lot went and hunted for them couldn't find them so God said alright I'm going to destroy Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah Go away, leave them. So Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah and God destroyed them. Okay, now what do you think that means? If a whole society is misbehaving and there are, there's just a, a minimal number who, for whatever reason, are wise and live according to principles and good principles, they can save society and this this is my interpretation this is what I think is that we have a duty to change ourselves so as to help the world change you know about the hundredth monkey don't you mm -hmm. you know the story of the hundredth monkey no in Japan the hundredth monkey that's right yeah well you tell the story well, there were monkeys on this island and there were potatoes that were thrown onto the, the beaches of the island and the potatoes would be covered in sand and the monkeys would try and eat the potatoes but there was sand covered. Right. And one day one monkey figured out that he could take it to the water and wash it and eat it. And they don't know the exact number but there was a consciousness that happened. So this is a true story? This is a true story. Right. So there was a consciousness that happened by the time the hundredth monkey had washed the potato and eaten it, you know, gotten rid of all the sand, and then the consciousness spread and every monkey, without being told that it was just a consciousness, started to wash their potatoes and eat them. That's right. Mm -hmm. So it was so a consciousness. Because of this higher level of consciousness, mm -hmm. we can communicate with the whole of humanity. Now, what is the tool that we can use to do that? Now, come on, you know what it is? Our higher self. What, what is the tool? What is that marvelous tool? Meditation? That, no. 
What is that wonderful tool we have? Speech? No. No? <laughs> love. 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 Ah, love. well done, Kimmy. Mm. Love. Exactly. Love is the healer. Now, well, we're not talking about gut love. We're not talking about the so-called love that we think we have in, well, you know, for sex or whatever, or even attachment. It's not attachment. It's not love for one's family or whatever. It is an energy that comes from the fourth chakra. It's in there. And we have to go in and discover this energy in our fourth chakra. Now, this go in, that's another story. I was at the ashram in a, outside the temple and large group of people, women on one side, men on the other. Sai Baba would come out and he would start walking along and people would talk to him and ask him for whatever they wanted to ask him for. And as he was walking past me, I was in the second row, I said, Swami, I'm going tomorrow. I was leaving the ashram tomorrow. I had to go back. And Swami didn't stop. He just went on walking. And then about ten steps further down, perhaps a bit more, he stopped, turned around. It was more than ten steps. He turned around and very loudly pointed to me and he said, Go in. Don't touch everybody around me. What does he mean by that? And, well... He said, go in. And that's, and he's been telling us all the time, go in. Go into here, into your true self. Find this wonderful energy called love in here. Now, you see on the wall this, the autonomic nervous system image, well, it's just very simplified. But you will notice that at the level of the heart chakra, there's a very thick, dense bundle of nerves and cells. The heart chakra is very important. We have to keep it activated all the time. And this is what I work on day in, day out. I muscle test people, as you know, to find out where they have blockages in their system. And I unblock them and in order to eventually get them to allow this wonderful energy, this wonderful consciousness that is within us to manifest itself. First of all, all through yourself. First you have to learn to love yourself, by the way. And how do we do that? It's very simple. Mm -hmm. I know. <laughs> you just let go of fear. Course in Miracles? <laughs> do you know the Course in Miracles? Yes. <laughs> love? is letting go of fear. Yeah. Look at that wonderful thing here. I want peace. I is ego, want is desire, remove ego and desire, and you have peace. Once you stop behaving like animals, because we are not animals, we are human beings. Once we stop behaving like animals, become angry, uh, greedy, jealous, whatever, then we can develop, we can realize that we are love itself. 
And I, unfortunately, I didn't have the opportunity to teach you the light meditation, did yes, I? Oh, I did, did mm. I? Oh, good. Mm. Well, that's what it is, the light meditation. Seeing the light inside you, spreading it all through yourself, and then outside yourself, through the top of the head, and spreading it to everyone around you. Now, lately, there has been a realization that love is the healer. There are some wonderful articles on the internet about love healing cancer. Love is a healer. Just spread love within you, spread love outside you. Nothing can go wrong. You know, it's interesting for a lot of humanity, I think a lot of us want to, or we're in search of, a sense of completion, a sense of happiness, a sense of connectedness. And we think that we need to get something. We need to do something other than what we're doing. But I think that the simplicity of what you're saying, Jacqueline, mm-hmm. and also the simplicity of The Course in Miracles is that there's nothing more to get. All that there is is to remove the blocks to love's presence. Exactly. And all that actually is left when we remove all of those blocks is love, nothing other than that. And then there's the awareness of love's presence and the consciousness of love's presence. And then that's the end of the story. There you are. You know it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it is. That's right. So, love all, serve all, help ever, hurt never. And the five human values, truth. Always tell the truth to yourself and to others, but never a truth that hurts. Okay? Then right conduct. Always do the right thing. If you live in a country with certain rules and laws, you follow them. After all, why not? What's the, you know, what's the problem about following the rules? And... Uh, any other rules, moral moral rules or whatever. And then peace. Well, I've just shown you peace. I want peace. Get rid of ego and desire and you have peace, of course. Simple, isn't it? Mm. And then love, of course. Love, this wonderful energy. We are love. That's all there is. It's this incredible energy which... It is an energy. It is, uh, even from a scientific point of view, what is it that attracts atoms to each other? Love. What else? And it's true, isn't it? I mean, what attracts one person to another? What attracts one friend to another? That's actually true, Mm. isn't it? It's love. And what repels is fear. Mm. So the opposite of love is not hate, it's fear. Mm. You know, Jacqueline, you were saying, I want peace, and I is the ego, and want is the desire. It's amazing that it's the belief that we are separate from each other, Mm. and it's the belief that we are not one, that there is this um, separation. Yes. That then causes desire, because That's if I'm right. separate from you, then I want what you have, or I want something other than, That's right. you know, yes. I want other things, sure. and it's the seat of all yeah. suffering. That's right. And that is, that the belief of separation and the desire is not something that needs to be changed. It mm-hmm. just needs, it just needs to be 
acknowledge that it's not actually real because all that there really sure. is underneath all of that is love. So you see, this is the problem is that we keep on identifying with our body and our minds. Mm. We think we are the body, we think we are the mind. This is what creates these dissensions, these mm. separations and so on. But if we keep on focusing on what we can call our true self, which is there, in there, go in, go in, then we don't feel the difference. We, we can feel, the, we can become aware of this, this, uh, how should I say, this divinity in every person. Even the worst people, even, even the, the criminals, even the, the terrorists, God is still inside them. That's a big question, and I'm so glad that you've brought that up, because that's been something that I've even been floating with myself of late, is to, to go in for a lot of people who are externally focused, and most yes, of society is, yes. that's challenging for most people to, to go in. How do you go in? What's the, what's the way in? Oh, <laughs> I do that every day. <laughs> What's the way in that then letting, allows people... Letting go of fear. So how does somebody... Sometimes that's... people can't go in because they have built... They have armoured themselves because of their fears, because of traumas. Mm. So we have to work on it. It doesn't happen overnight, of course. Mm. There is a lot of hard work, but different ways of doing it. I mean, if you belong to a religion, usually... If the religion is well established, well, good religion, that can help you. Well, if not, well, you just have to. There are different ways. I mean, there are many, many ways to go up to the top of Mount Everest. I can assure you. Mm. Many okay. religions are based on fear, though, Sorry. and they're also externally yeah. focused. Many religions are based on fear. Yeah. Like my, you know, what I was brought up was was Catholicism, and you it was brought up as a as a Catholic, as a Catholic, that's right. and I and it was all based on fear. That's right, the fear of God. That's right, because well, why do you think that was so? I mean, Jesus didn't teach that. No. You know what Jesus said? Did you ever read John? Uh, yes, many years ago, but well, <laughs> I have no memory of John now. <laughs> in John, Jesus said. My father and I are one. You are my brothers. Now, what did that mean? My father and I are one. Father is this all-encompassing consciousness, Brahma. Okay? We are one with Brahma, with the all-encompassing consciousness. So, Jesus said, well, you are my brothers, which means that you're one with our father. Now, that's the first step. Then he said, and remember, I told you, ye are gods. Aha. Uh -huh. Wow, he says that in John. They must have missed that in the Catholic Church. <laughs> yes. I have, look, I was, I was partly brought up as a Catholic. I went to the nuns and so on, and of course I had to to read the, the, um, the gospel every week and learn it by heart because it was going to be uh, recited in the pulpit and so on. And uh, never, ever, ever have I come across this statement mm. by John. 
each mm. from John's Gospel. But it's there. Really? Yeah. Even in any of the Gospels, in any of the Bibles. And why would the Catholic Church take that out? Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Read the history of the Catholic Church. It's mm. worth reading. Yeah. yeah. And I think, too, you know, I, I think everything as time has evolved there's been a necessity or a belief that there's a necessity to control the masses so if we can control the masses with fear and if we can control the masses with the belief that they are that god is outside of them then we're in a constant state of believing that we are less than and you know isn't she smart but isn't she amazing oh Oh, very wise she's very wise You're right, absolutely. I feel very humbled in your company. I have to be very honest. How does one have power over other people? By instilling fear in them. Mm -hmm. So if you keep on telling people that if they do something wrong, they'll go to hell. You know, I have, (laughs) with patience, especially if they're Catholics, I muscle test them. And (laughs) I'm frightened of God, yes. I'm frightened of the devil, yes. I'm frightened of going to hell, yes. Purgatory, um, limbo, <laughs> all the places that we can go as Catholics, you know. It's yes. like we're scared of the whole lot of them because, oh, except for heaven. That's right. We're okay with heaven. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but then there's the fear of not making it to heaven. Yeah, I was going to say, then you've got to be really good. Oh, no sinning. and, and uh, anyway. oh, I'm so glad. I had no religious upbringing when I hear you guys talk like this. (laughs) Um, Jacqueline, you say you're 90 and and you're still searching. How, well, well, you're still working on the truth. What does that mean? Look, I'm a mother. I have four sons. Okay. So when something happens to my sons, I become, well... I start becoming upset. So I'm learning, uh, I have to assert that you learn not to become upset, but to keep on resorting to this wonderful energy. And I did, the other night, I had the realization of it suddenly. It was incredible, the peace that came out of it. So it's a matter of working hard on connecting with this superior consciousness. Did I teach you the who am I? Yes. 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 Did you do it? Yes. Oh. Who am I? I don't think I'm very good at it sometimes. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Tell us what it is. You explain. Tell us what is that? Explain Oh, the who am I? Well, I'll have to give you a copy of it before we leave. Oh, okay, that sounds good. It's it's a very old, very ancient meditation. Um, I think it's Ramana Maharshi who gave the, uh, who described it. And I, I tweaked it, adapted it (laughs) for our sin, for our culture. But the thing is that once you let go your fears, you see, I have fear as a mother, of course, if my children, if my boys are suffering, have problems and so on. Well, they're not young anymore, you know, but so they go through all sorts of trials and tribulations. And there I am feeling really uptight. But the other night, this incredible peace that came, 
oh, it was wonderful. And then what I did was try and transfer it to this particular son who's having difficulties at the moment. I don't know, perhaps it's gone through to him. But this is what I'm trying to say, that as long as we are in this body, we have attachments and we have to work on that. Now, not being attached doesn't mean not caring far from it, but we have to care the right way. And I think it is definitely this connecting with this incredible energy, which is our true self, and transferring it all around us. Have you ever read books on near-death experiences? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm reading one by Dr. Jeffrey Long at the moment, and it's quite incredible, because very serious studies have been carried out on near-death experiences. And when you look at this accumulation of cases, especially by Dr. Jeffrey Long, it's worth reading, because he's done a very, very, very thorough research, years and years of research. I'll, I'll show you the book afterwards. Dr. Jeffrey Long, J.E. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I love reading them. Yes. Okay, I'll show you the book. And because of the... The number, the incredible number of, of people that they have interviewed who've had this near-death experience, and it's quite amazing. And everybody had the same experience. Amazing. So it's worth reading. Jacqueline, you were talking about the five values, and I have that picture on my wall. Mm -hmm. And the last one, you've mentioned truth, right conduct, peace, and love. Um, and the last one is non-violence. Non and when I came first started coming to see you, I used to stick these pictures up around my house saying, mm. speak softly. Mm. Because one of the things that you taught me was even raising our voices as a form of violence. Exactly. And my children were very little when I first started coming to see you, and they That's just right. saw these signs everywhere. In fact, one of them couldn't even read properly yet. But if I ever raised my voice, he would point to the side <laughs> um, and and it's taught me a lot I'm not saying I do oh, it perfectly right, right all the time but it made me very aware of what it means to communicate without violence exactly so in our world we see violence maybe as anger and fist punching but in fact violence can be in the form of self-hate or absolutely in the form of of not accepting another that's right and I've shared this story many times because your words, and I know you're a reflection of what's in me, and I know you don't ever want to see yourself as a guru, but your words helped me maybe see the guru in me, which was I sat there in agony. My heart was broken. My husband's heart was broken. My children's hearts were broken. And you sat there and you said, well, Kim, do you love this man? And I said, yes and you said Danny do you love this woman and he said yes and you said well we have no problem <laughs> when there is love there is no problem and it's whenever I hear you speak and it's it's you are my top up your words your values and being around people like Karen who has read a lot of the information that you have read mm. is a constant reminder of what that is in here would you mind if I shared with our listeners the what 
who am I meditation, the heart meditation and the light meditation. Absolutely, you have to. Yes. I'll give you some printouts yes. that might help you to a certain extent. Will they help me every day, Jacqueline? Well, of course. Everybody should do the light meditation. This is what I... Nowadays, I give this regularly to all my patients, and I say, look, do it every day, regularly. Absolutely. The light, the light... Uh, it's called the Jyoti meditation, the light meditation. It, it's absolutely wonderful because if you spread that light outside you, you spread it into every human being, every animal, whatever, every part of the world, the, the planets, the sun, the stars, and so on. And I muscle test people after having get, got them to do the light meditation and I get them to say, I am the light of the world. Yes! Mm, beautiful. We were talking the about the hundredth monkey yes. and the consciousness. Oh, yes. In your time on this planet, do you think that consciousness is about to turn? It has to. You know why? Well, we'll destroy ourselves. That's right. Well, that's right. Now, look, this is a very interesting thing I came across. Look, okay occasionally I treat homosexuals. Now there are quite a lot of homosexual people these days and I have a couple, a male couple, they are wonderful people. Oh, well, I'm better than... Okay. We know. <laughs> and I, I said to myself there must be a reason for this. So I did research. I read, I read, I read. I studied my, my sister was a homosexual, my, my maternal uncle was homosexual. My very first male friend, not boyfriend, but male friend, because I was brought up in a very strict way, just girls. We didn't mix with boys. But anyway, when I started my art classes in Paris, we were mixed, of course, and there was a, a young man there, and we made friends, and he was a homosexual. They were lovely people. Okay. And I said to myself, there must be a reason for it, especially with the increase that we're coming across at the moment. Mm. And, of course, you're aware of the Darwinian concepts of evolution. It's more or less accidental. But if you read Sir Alistair Hardy... Sir Alistair, A-L-I-S-T-E-R, Hardy. He believed in evolution, but not the Darwinian way. From his point of view, the evolution that takes place on this earth is guided by a need to change. It's... It's a, how could I explain it? I mean, you'd have to read the book. Because it, it's quite amazing that we evolve in such a way that it serves the purpose of what we are as human beings. Now, there's an overpopulation at the moment, isn't there? Mm. The only way to stop the overpopulation is to stop Populating. Mm. Now, how does one stop populating? 
well, by become not having sex. <laughs> become a Buddhist. <laughs> yes, no, it's not everybody who can become a Buddhist. But as you said, stop having sex. But Or have sex with people that can't, can't recreate. Yeah. recreate. But um, what happens when people don't have sex? They become very frustrated, don't they? Mm. And yet, if you study the yogic philosophy... I mean, yoga means joining with God. That's what yoga means. You will find that you can transfer this activity in the second chakra, the first and second chakra, to the fourth chakra. I mean, if you do it properly. But it's not everybody who has the power to do that. So what's another way to stop having sex in order to populate Homosexuality. Once we realize that, then of course, and once homosexuals realize that, they realize then that they have a role to play and they can they can do a lot of good to humanity. But anyway, this is another subject another well, that's raising the consciousness. So you, that was about raising the consciousness of people, and that well, it, things are changing. And, and no, it's not a raising of consciousness. It's a well, I don't know. It's difficult to it's say. Probably more of a like it, with Hardy's view, it's a meeting of consciousness more in that the evolution just, of humanity the is the need demanding. isn't there anymore. You yeah, see, yeah. you see now look, and Sai Baba says. Animals have a time and a season for sex, mm -hmm. don't they? Mm -hmm. You agree? Mm -hmm. Human beings have neither rhyme nor reason for sex. <laughs> so how do they... I mean, if they didn't enjoy sex, mm -hmm. what would happen? There would be no, no human beings. Mm -hmm. So... In order to have sex, they have to enjoy it, the orgasm. All right? So the thing is to either do yoga and transfer this energy up the, the spine or be lucky enough and not be attracted to the other sex. <laughs> Simple, isn't it? <laughs> well, I don't know about that, that being simple. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen my husband? <laughs> Jacqueline, do you think, as far as those of us that are parents are concerned, what's one of the greatest lessons or, or teachings or way of behaving that we can be to support our future generations? Love. Mm. Do you know that there is a school, the Sai Baba school at uh, Mwulumba? Uh, Mwulumba. Oh, I'll show it to you on the internet in a minute. Mwulumba? Yes, down the top marvellous school. New South Wales. Mm. The mm. Sai Baba school. So we can, I mean, one of the greatest gifts we can give our children is the love and respect of another human being. To love, yes. To love, to always do the right thing. And follow the five follow values. Follow the five values. That's right. I'll mm. show it to you anyway. Mm. A wonderful, wonderful program. 
and what do you think that what is a most common problem that you have people coming to see you as a psychologist what is one of the most common things happening out there at the moment feeling unloved and you know what? It goes back to very, very early childhood, babyhood. If they haven't been breastfed or if the breastfeeding has been too short, if uh, they're too close to other siblings in birth date, if the parents are not uh, together or are fighting, whatever, there are, there's a multitude of reasons. And so they grow up feeling unloved. And so I always test people for, when, when I muscle test people, I get them initially, always, uh, muscle testing. I like myself, I love myself, I trust myself, I respect myself, I have full confidence in myself, I have faith in myself, I believe in myself, I am God. Muscle test strong. Now that that's a funny one. <laughs> and then I get them to say, "I'm good enough for my dad. I'm good enough for my mum. I feel loved by my dad. I feel loved by my mum." Boom, boom, boom. So you so muscle we have to test to that. find. Hmm? You use muscle testing to find the unconscious. Yeah. The body. Because the person may not necessarily. The body know is it. the subconscious mind. Mm. As simple as that. Yeah. And so once I have established, and then I muscle test the chakras, very often the fourth chakra is weak, or the whole lot is weak, and then we have to work on this lack of love. It's interesting because with. when I started coming to see you, mm. I wanted to work on the problems, mm. which weren't about me. No. No. They were about everyone else. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and what I learned very quickly with you was actually there was no one else to change. There was no one else to do the work. There was only Change yourself myself. and the whole world changes with you. Mm. Exactly. Mm. And I'm still a whip. What's a whip? I beg pardon? I'm still a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we a work in progress till the day we die? We, yes, of yeah. course. Because here you are, ninety, and you're still but, but no, searching. I'm still there. working on myself. Yeah, yeah. Oh yes, oh yes. I was hoping by the time I got to ninety, I'd be okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I watch my ego a lot. Believe yes. me, Jacqueline. You told the story last at the end of last year. You had to have an operation. Oh yes. And you were in hospital. Yes. And. I just love your story about watching everybody in the hospital. Can you just explain to us your, your because I think it's a wonderful metaphor for humanity. Could you just explain what you saw when you were in the hospital? And it was around Christmas and New Year. Yes, it was. Well, what I saw was a multitude of things. I was watching the staff and the way they were working very devoted. Actually, Nambour Hospital is a very good hospital. Very, very good. But also the patients, and there was a, a woman in front of me, and uh, she was uh, she wanted attention all the time. So during the night, she'd wake up and she'd start crying, and so that <laughs> the nursing staff would come and give her attention. It was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine being a psychologist in hospital must be. 
just fascinating. But yes. But anyway, it was interesting. It was interesting to see the devotion of the staff, the the way they they were good. They were really good. Oh well. But but I think what you know, some people would say, "Oh, it's not fair. I'm in hospital." But but the way you just looked at it, it it just is. You don't seem to have an attachment to any stories. No. And one thing that I've noticed with your patients and with mm. the people that come to you, you're not interested almost in the story. You're interested in their discovery of self. Well, naturally, mm. of course. This is but most people thing. come because they're attached to their story and they want you to verify their story and you, they want validity with their story. Well, yes. But, I mean, it's not the... Wait a minute. It's not the truth, really. Because the story perspective, yeah. Because the story is there is what they're holding on to, that's keeping them trapped in the pain of and the suffering, isn't it? I am not a victim of the world I see. These are all cards that Jacqueline's holding up for us to read. Frederick Nietzsche. There are no facts, only interpretations. We did a podcast on that. Yeah. Didn't we? <laughs> Yesterday never happened. Today is an illusion. Tomorrow never comes. Mm-hmm. Ooh, there is only this. Mm-hmm. And now this. If you point one finger at someone, remember that three fingers are pointing at you. <laughs> <laughs> this is very funny. I love, I love this one. one. All right. When two people are under the influence of the most violent, most insane, most delusive and most transient of all passions, they are required to swear that they will remain in that excited, abnormal and exhausting condition continuously until death do them part. <laughs> George I love sure. That's around marriage. I yes, love it. Right. I love it. And I often show couples when I'm marrying them, I will pull out this quote and show them. And they're like, look, oh, do you? you? Go, what yes. happens? What did this or they, at first they look at it like, oh. What do you mean? We're going to feel like this oh, forever. Falling in love, quickly, quickly, falling. You know what falling in love is about? Tell us. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, the, the term falling it is a little frightening. Pro- projecting an ideal parent figure onto the person you supposedly fall in love with. Wow. Projecting an ideal parent figure onto the person you're apparently falling in love with. Well, falling in love, actually, falling mm-hmm. is a good description because mm-hmm. it's going into a state of subconsciousness. It's like a trance state. Mm-hmm. So you see in perhaps the eyes of the other person or expressions or whatever, an ideal parent figure. You see, well, if you're women, you see your father. If you're men, you see your mother or differently. But there is something in the other person that reminds you of your ideal parental figure. Because even if your parent hasn't been ideal, there is something about this parent that as a very, very small child attracted you Mm -hmm. and you felt loved. So this is what you project onto somebody you fall in love with. But gradually... This ideal parental figure, divine parental figure, falls off the pedestal (laughs) and you realize that it's a human being. (laughs) 
think you there's also, of love. But I think there's also a reality about parents too. You reach a certain age, and I'm only just starting to discover this at my age now, and I'm nearly 45, is that my parents are actually human beings. <laughs> I never saw that either. Mm. I never, I never thought my mum was a real person. Have you fallen in love? Yes, yes, and and I, now I see them as a real person, you know, because you know. But I, I never realised my dad was a real person. I never realised my mum was a real person. I thought they were superheroes. Exactly. And it's amazing that I looked at Mash and on and past partners, and I'm just kind of really seeing myself in what you've just said. Because when I looked at Matt, he's the knight in shining armor. He's my superhero. You know, he came and swept me off my feet and rescued me. And oh, you lovely. <laughs> <laughs> we love her too. And it's a beautiful thing because it's you know now that I'm seeing Matt, my partner now is this real person. Mm. I'm also seeing my dad as a real person. Not the superhero that I thought that he was. And my mum, I'm thinking, wow, you're actually just a normal person. And I actually have had a fight with myself about that. Where I've said, no, 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 my mum is not a real person. She's my mum. She's perfection personified. That's what she is. (laughs) You, You are an incredible soul. And I feel so privileged that we were able to just have this little Do you remember what I said to you? You can only see yourself in other people. Yes. Okay. Well, I see extraordinary Except. beauty. <laughs> it's in you too. Please. Thank you me. could not see it in another person if you didn't have it in yourself. Believe me. Well, we appreciate the beauty that encapsulates this Well, I, I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> can we do it again? Yes, of course you can do it this again. Has been I'll enjoy it again. We love it. So beautiful. Thank you. I'm sorry, because uh, I mean, oh, in 10 what minutes a, I'm going to have this. No, we've, we've, we've come to the end of the podcast and the show, so I'm going to wrap us up. Jacqueline, thank you so much for everything. And well, personally, I feel incredibly humbled in your company, and I know that our listeners mm. will feel <laughs> the same way. So go to our Facebook page and post all of your comments about how wonderful you think this podcast has been as we have experienced pure beauty for the last but, hour. You see, the thing is that you can spread this. You, you can teach other people. And you do. Okay? And we wanted to share you with them too. Oh. <laughs> so Soon this body will be ashes. <laughs> but your higher self will continue. Ashes to ashes and dust, dust to, to dust. <laughs> and I see you as a big plus in my life and I must. <laughs> oh, isn't that right? Oh, <laughs> nice. I like that. No, no. So go to I, our face. I, I don't know. No, I'm not the person. You know, if you thank anyone, he's the one to thank. He's the one who taught me everything. And Jacqueline's pointing to a photo of Sai Baba. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, some people don't like him. Some people criticize him. There's a good reason for it, of course, because he didn't give them what they wanted. Mm. It's really funny. Well, you give us a beautiful perspective, and for that we thank you. Thank you, Saibaba. Oh, look, it was enjoyable. Uh, Yes, I'd love to to be again, but, I mean, we have to share and, you know, contribute. Hmm. Because that's really what it's about, isn't it? Mm -hmm. If I'm still alive, of course. (laughs) 
who will come back before you go to Ashes. <laughs> Absolutely. <Thank> you. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So let us know your thoughts about today's podcast. Let us know what your experience has been as we've had this wonderful conversation with Jacqueline. Go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. You can also post your comments at allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. And join us here next week on Up for a Chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. See you on the ride. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.